Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. We are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of GreenLink Networks, which is a voice over IP channel only. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I wanted to do this podcast was because I wanted to take that pain away from some of the new guys. I realized that a lot of the MSPs that were starting up were struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues. My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with three employees and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us and also hopefully helping others along the way. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're an MSP. We're currently about a dozen employees. We were originally founded in 1999. I believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share their mind share on how to overcome issues. I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago. I hope that you got a lot out of this podcast. Now here's your hosts, Myron, Joe, and Craig. And welcome back to the next episode of IT for Whiskey. I'm your co-host, Craig Hickman, with my best buds, Joe Usia and Myron Herrera. And again. Our special guest, Todd Gate. Hello, everybody. What's up, Daddy? Todd has graced us with his presence one more time. He's a three-peat. <laughs> a single-barrel rare. I will say he's the only guest we've had on twice, let alone three times. We're, we're going to make this one quick. Truth be told, we're just recording at the same time as the other time. But Todd had a couple of extra questions that he wanted to throw at us. And I think Craig's got a question as well. So, Craig, what was your question about payment? Oh, yes. You know, one of the things that we're going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few weeks is what's going to happen with companies that we have bent over backwards to help and get everything up and running so they could they could function remotely. And will those companies end up paying us next month? And what do we do with those who come back and say, hey, I can't pay you this month. Can I put it off or can I reduce my cost? Uh, to be honest, in our last episode, during that episode, I actually got an email from a client asking what they can do with their bill payment, if they can possibly put it off. That came in. In my case, the way I look at it is that they can't. I mean, we've provided the service and we, we need payment. If they don't pay, then we have to go through the process of collection. Unfortunately, it is a difficult time. And if you have a long-term relationship with that customer, you can potentially work out something. But you're not a bank and you can't be the one that finances their cash flow problems. I would point them to the SBA. I would point them to what areas they can go as a business to get help. But you're not a bank. That would be my answer. If it goes outside of my collection process, I would cut them off. I mean, that, that is the hard line. That's the SOP for dealing with non-paying clients. And that's the right conversation to have with people who don't understand how to deal with where they're at. Because you are going to have business owners in your portfolio that aren't really capable of handling the level of stress or recognizing the opportunity that is here too. 
and, and I, I still feel like as an MSP, and one of the things that we're doing is, is collecting as much information as we can to preserve our client base, right? What can you do in Intel as an IT provider to give your clients the ability to thrive in this time? Uh, the loan that is supposed to come out tomorrow, which uh, you interact with your private bank, right? The loan apparently may turn into a grant if you don't fire anybody. It'll be easy for some of us, hard for some others. But if you're passing that along to your SLA clients, your agreements, right? Those that are contractually obligated to you and tied to your contract that is employee-based, if you can give them financial support through this program that they may not even be aware of or too lazy or stressed to go through that process themselves, if you handhold them through that process, and give them the ability to thrive in this time, even if it's for four months, to put the pressure elsewhere. That's great. I agree. I agree. And that's the whole point. So my question to you is this. So the way we position ourselves to our customers is we're not a third party. We're not an outsourced department. We're not like some IT company. We always say to our customers, we are your IT department. We are filling in the gaps for the parts of your company that your IT department doesn't have budget for. And we have the skill sets to fill those gaps and to kind of give you a solid strategy and structure. So I've had these conversations with some CEOs, and, and my question has been, what would your employees say if you said you couldn't pay them? If you can't pay your employees to show up to work, what would they be doing right now? Chances are they're not going to show up to work. So when you put the, the onus back on them to say, we're just like any other employee, we are your IT department. That's why I think you have to have that hardline discussion and say, look, if you don't pay the phone bill, you get your phone bill is going to get cut. That, that's just how it is. A unless it's something that's mandated by the state that we have to hold back on that. I think you, you go forward with it. I mean, there's no reason why you should be carrying the burden of another business. That just shouldn't be it. What happens if you don't pay your cell phone bill? What will the cell phone company, will Verizon, AT&T, what they're going to say to you if you don't pay their, their cell phone bill? You're, you're right. But at this time, I think they are providing some uh, forgiveness. For some areas like mortgage, you know, and things like that. But you're not a bank. Look, you look at it this way, Todd. If I provide a solution to my customers for their cash flow problems by not allowing them to pay. Yeah, yeah. I, hear that. I think that's good, right? You don't, you, they can't not pay. But if, if I'm, if I'm allowing them to drag their payment, that means that my cash flow is going to become difficult. That means that I'm not going to be able to pay PAX 8 or Office 365, which means that then a ton of our customer. So Myron, you're saying the same thing I just said. You're just saying the same thing I said. If you don't pay your employees to show up to work. I'm saying it in, I'm saying it in, I'm saying it in, in U.S. terms. You're saying it in Canadian. <laughs> No, no, there's no difference. If you don't pay your payroll, will your employees show up to work? We are no different as an MSP. Hard stop. That's what it comes down to. End of story. Right. That's true. An MSP is the, I would say, like number two, your number three. You do not with that third person. You want them there through the thick and the thin. You don't want to touch it until you're gone. And I think I think a lot of us realize that we're, we are that value to those companies, but Accounting in some of our organizations is larger and they see MSP as a large 
bill. So how do you how do you face that? How do you level the curve? Like we're dealing with COVID nineteen. How do you how do you level that hit? How can you take a a hit like an MSV bill and spread it out over the next twelve months? So Todd, let me ask you this. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a question back to you as someone that's asking me a question. In Texas, in Indiana, in Ontario, has IT been declared an essential service? Well, yeah, so is liquor. My point is EMS, government, telco, ISP, MSP, we've all been declared an essential service. So my question is, why do customers feel just because we're smaller than them, just because we they think we're more vulnerable, do they think they can take advantage? I say no. I don't, I don't think they're going to take advantage. I think they're going to be hard hit or they may not have the cash to pay it. I don't think that's really the issue at all. Not every customer. I agree. Not every customer. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's that they're trying to take advantage. I wouldn't say that that's still the case. But I do understand that customers are going to be hit and some of them are going to have to take drastic measures. But we can't be the banks for those customers. Now, I would say that if you have a relationship with a customer and I have relationships with some customers that I know that, you know, I know them personally, that they will pay eventually. And they, they say, dude, I just need a couple of weeks or whatever the case is. That is okay. But don't fall into it because in the, again, going back to the financial downturn, I gave too much to that and customers then went bankrupt and I lost the money. I was completely out of it and it almost bankrupt us. Be careful of that. You know what I mean? So you, you, you don't want to. That's great advice, right? You understand like right now, that kind of advice is solid. Any MSP who understands what happened in 2008, who cannot comprehend what may happen uh, in the coming weeks, should recognize what happened in 2008 and know that if we are on a downslide, the chances of you recouping whatever forgiveness you may provide to your clients could be erased. And yeah, what does that look like? No, a lot of us don't recognize that. So how do we how do we get ahead of it? A lot of it is being hard. Like, yeah, fine. We understand the problem. That still stands. I think you you can be flexible. I think you could say, look, why don't we break it up into a couple of payments? Maybe you say, look, give me half now and half in you know a week or or whatever. Whatever you feel as a business that you can withstand. That's good. What can you do? What can you do? That's what I suggest happens. You can't take on the, the under management of another business because at, at the end of the day, honestly, you should have some cash in the bank as a business for situations like this. Obviously, there's going to be some industries that are getting hit really hard and those industries are being helped by the government. If you're in an industry that you maybe profited, like I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I'm a big American Airlines flyer. I'm an executive platinum at AA, so I flew over 100,000 miles last year. So I'm obviously very loyal to them. But let me tell you something. I hate that they're coming out and putting their hands out saying, government, please bail me out. Because the last couple of years, they've been cashing like there's no tomorrow. So why didn't they put money away for a situation like this? Why, why didn't they reserve? But now they want handouts from the government. I think that businesses need to prepare themselves for situations like this instead of going out and buying the, the nicest new car that's out there. But th that's aggressive. I mean, you think about insurance. Do you have pandemic insurance? I don't. Why? How are you not prepared for this? But I am prepared. 
Well, you have the cash. You have cash sitting there. I have six six months worth of business cash sitting waiting in case something happens. And if you have a business like an airline, as an example, that goes through constantly, seems like <laughs> these, these difficult times, you should be putting money away for that. It's just an example. The point is that, and I don't expect everybody to have put away you know, a ton of money, but you have to be prepared for those, those difficult times. Personally and professionally, right? Your business has to be prepared for something. Personally and professionally. Absolutely. And then, and then you got the SBA has funds available to help you through this process. It shouldn't be that you go to your vendors and ask your vendors for help. Right, right. But I would want to know what vendors are helping. You think about, you think about yourself as a vendor to your client. None of them. No, no, no. I don't think that's true. No, no. I don't know any vendor either. I give you $10. I don't know. I don't know any vendor. Like, so I will say one thing about this pandemic. So this, this pandemic has truly shown us the true colors of people. Friends, you know what? At the end of the day, friends are hard to come by. And, and I've got three on this call. Loved ones, they're even harder. But you know what? Fakers that are in it for themselves, they're so easily to weed out in these times. You know what? I say this. Get a life. You know what? The, the people that fake it, you can weed them out so quickly and so easily. If I went to any one of the three of you on this call and said, hard times, I really need temporary help, y'all stand up. You're all going to stand up. And the same, if you guys came to me and said, hard times, I will stand up for you because you know what? We are like friends. We're like family. But at the end of the day, the economy is look what what's happening on the Dow. Let's NASDAQ, everything up and down, volatile, whatever, whatever. Our customers, we got to be realistic. So our customers, they may pay for our lifestyle, but if they treat us like we're the corner street junkie, why are you going to stand by them? Maybe eventually they may or may not pay. Maybe. You got to protect yourself. That's what I say. Yeah. Keeping on the topic of the airlines, right? So when you get on an airplane, they say you have to put on your mask first before you help someone else. You know that that scene, right? You're in the emergency exit aisle. You have to put on the air mask. Air mask first before you help some. Yeah. So in business and in life, you have to help yourself first before you help someone else. Unless you are 100% sure that what you have for yourself can hold you through, I would not make it available to somebody else. Look, I'm a very giving guy. I'm very helpful. But you have to be able to withstand. I'll give you an example. This may be a a reason why I, I am the way that I am or I think the way that I do. There was a time where I had a client uh, on the MSP side and they were in construction. I won't go farther than that. And they were going through a tough time again, the, the downturn. And I, and I knew the person, I knew the people very close to me. I won't get into more details than that. Any of them are hearing this. They definitely know who they are. They asked for help in their bills and we, we extended the pay so that way they can get through a difficult time. But what we didn't realize, well, what I didn't realize is that by doing that, I put a strain on us as a business so much that I had to take a personal pay cut at home, which is minor, but it came down to going to a wedding, um, a destination wedding for a family member of mine. And we couldn't go because it was tough times. And we decided it didn't make sense to spend the money on it. Guess who was at that wedding? 
my client. You understand? That's what it comes down to. You have to take care of yourself first because they're taking care of themselves first. I want people to understand what they do. You know what I mean? And what, what happens when they make those business decisions. You're right. I think the underlying message is there are client personalities. Some of them are not going to be true. I, as an example, I have a client who she went to an, an industry event in Vegas. She came back and her two employees sat her down with a mediator. They found a mediator to sit in a room with her and tell her you're an awful human being. And they left. They walked out on her. She is now gone from in one year, seven employees to one herself. I mean, ultimately, you know, as an MSP, being a number two, number three, number one for a company, that the uh, personalities of the people that you're working for are going to show true right now. They're going to hit you hard. They're going to hit you light. They're going to take care of you. They're not. And ultimately, it comes down to what is your agreement and can you sustain for a couple of months if you're going to give it up? Yeah. Again, remember, I started the conversation saying, there are customers that you know who you can be very flexible to, but you have to make sure that you are being taken care of first. You can't extend more than you can because you're trying to help a customer because at the end of the day, they're, they're just trying to help themselves first. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't blame the guy. I don't blame what he did. I blame myself for allowing us to be put in that position. You understand what I mean? That's my takeaway. And I almost took the entire episode for this. My gift to the community is don't be so flexible where it's going to hurt you. Only be flexible if you have the ability to do it. I mean, that's good. It's not business focused. You're not focused on business if you're going to give it up. But I, I still think there are vendors and you are a vendor to your client, right? You're a, you are a vendor to your client. What, what value do you bring in this time that may be beyond IT? But there are some vendors that are doing more than others. I see some vendors like being total jerks uh, to be totally PC about, you know, what programs they're in. You've got Microsoft offering E1 for six months. There are vendors that are handing out opportunity to us, you know, remote access packages, productivity packages. Aaron, what's important to you? Can you tell them what say, say what is important to you? And by the way, everybody, just so everybody knows, it's late into the evening and our families are, you know, kids and stuff like that are coming and, and talking to us. I po- apologize for the interruptions. For us on the Greenlink side, we don't typically do this, but we had a very small account. They were going out of business. They were straight up and said, listen, we're going out of business. And we have a three-year agreement with you guys. And there's still, you know, I think it was like two and a half years left. And we were very flexible with them because at the end of the day, what are you going to do? You got to be able to kind of weed through that. From a vendor standpoint, I'm not seeing vendors helping out in any way. Well, the random ones, but the ones that you're partner with, they're not offering you. Well, I mean, to be fair, the ones that are giving me opportunity are the ones that are not in my line card already. And I've asked them, Screen Connect, for instance, right? ConnectWise, can I give host passes? Can you bump my host pass license up to like 120 so I can just pass this crap out? and hand my clients remote access to their computers? The answer, no. What do I have to do? Buy Splashtop. Splashtop, total jerks. 
I, I'll tell you, um, there is one vendor that recently, and, and I want to make it aware if you guys don't know, one vendor recently reached out to us on the MSP side, and it was SonicWall. And they said, if you have an R, I think they're called the RSAs, um, the virtual office uh, devices, they're going to up the licenses by like 20 to 50 users or something like that for free for a period of a month or two months. That's great. I think there are vendors who are producing, and I think they should be brought to light. Even if you're not using them, that should be brought to the attention of your listeners because they are offering, let's say, freebies, maybe three months, maybe six months. It's an opportunity to trial their software, which may be out of your price range, provide a value to your client, provide a value to your company or your employees. Craig, why don't you talk about what you're doing potentially for customers? And it's a marketing scheme. Right or a marketing campaign, but it's not a scheme. The scheme in a in a in a positive way. I'm giving away two months of free LogMeIn Pro, free setup up to ten users per company. But you know what though? It doesn't matter. It's the amount of marketing that he's doing, and he's helping the community. At the end of the day, if he lost it, then he lost it. Right? I lost it, but I. But you know what? If somebody survives and they're good later, I'm winning. Right. Agreed. But you could lose a lot of money on that as an MSP. And so good on you. Yeah. If you look at it, if you look at it from dollars to dollars, not to customers, new signups, he's not giving it to customers. So we have a similar thing with WebEx right now that we will give up to 25 users for free up to 90 days to help customers through this transition. And we could lose money on it. There's no question about it. But I got to go back to my whole theory of what's going on with humanity and and what's going on with where we are as a culture. So, so I was like, so if the world is really ending right now, I want to be known as the guy that helps society. I want to be known as I want us to be known as the people that helps mankind get through this everybody come to my house for meat everybody go to craig's house for scotch and whiskey everybody go to myron's house for happy times does not sound good (laughs) guys i think we had a lot of good information um i did talk most of the episode i hope it helps someone else it was good information though i will give you that i can't wait for the the day that craig gives that much good information Oh, wait, you know what, guys? We forgot the most essential thing about IT for whiskey. I'm drinking Kaz Amada Abelur. What are you drinking, Craig? I really did not get that. Abelur, Kaz, Ana. Abunda? Nope. Anama. I am I've never heard it. I am drinking cream of Kentucky 12.3 years old. <laughs> what the hell is that? 12.3 years old. I've never heard of that. What? 12.3 years old because they couldn't quite make it to 13 or 12 and a half. How weird is 12.3? Bottled by J.W. Rutledge in Kentucky, Crestwood. So, God, tell us, what does it taste like? I'm going to open it for this. <laughs> you said you were drinking it. <laughs> you, you said you were These drinking it for crying out <laughs> What the heck? Todd, what are you drinking? Oh, I am, I'm still on the uh, Colonel Taylor small batch, not the single barrel, but Colonel Taylor small batch and drinking Balvini 14. Well, those are two very good drinks. I'll give you that. Not bad. And you're right. The, uh, Colonel Taylor does have a uh, unique odor. It's got a vanilla 
finish, doesn't it? Why would you say the word odor? That's kind of like hanging out with Joe for too many days and getting his man muscle over you. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold up. Wait a minute. What are you talking about there, Craig? Nobody else in this room besides Myron has ever spent the night with you. <laughs> Actually, no. Myron, Myron and I spent, spent three days together. What are you talking about? Two nights. Two nights. That must have been special nights. The nights you never forget. Two nights, three days. In the same Ford Eclipse? No, it was not. Thank God I had my ear pods. <laughs> so what are you drinking, Craig? I'm drinking the Abelur Cas Anama. Oh, so it's not the Abelur. It's the Anama. Never heard of the Anama. I'm drinking a Sazerac rye. How is that, Myron? How is it? It's actually my first rye. Bum, bum, bum. Wait a minute. I don't agree with you. It's not your first rye. Maybe on the show. Have you not had? It's, it's my first rye. You've never had Canadian Club? You didn't have Crown Royal? No. You've never drank Crown Royal? No. I don't like Crown Royal. Yeah, but that's not the point. Yeah, but I don't like it. That's not the point. That's not, that's not real. That's like saying, have you drank whiskey? Yeah, I've drank Johnny. That, no, it's not the same thing. Yes, it is. That's not the same. No, it's not. I just want to point out that Buffalo Trace owns Sazerac rye. Really? Do they really? Buffalo Trace, you know that we drink a lot of your stuff. Hit him. <laughs> I can't wait till you send me my second bottle of Pappy 23, Buffalo Trace. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, yeah. Good Good luck with that. I love, I would love, oh my God, if they came on. We could, we could start with Weller or something else, you know. Did you guys see the meme of the uh, will trade seven rolls of toilet paper for one aged bottle of Pappy Van Winkle? That's Craig. Craig's loaded with whiskey and toilet paper. I saw this video. Somebody was printing out pages of pictures of like the end of the roll of paper. They put it on, on the, window. the window. On the window, it was hilarious. So the neighbors look up. He's like, like a whole arsenal of toilet paper in his house. <laughs> that was hilarious. It was funny. Craig, Joe, Myron, thank you so much. It's always good to see you. I really had a great time since what three o'clock? Three hours? Did we really do that? Well done, gentlemen. You're welcome. Thanks for hanging out, Todd. Well, thank you for including me in this. One, I really did enjoy my time. This was another great episode of IT for Whiskey. Remember to share, like, comment, give us feedback, and most importantly, recommend your friends to listen to our show. Kevin, take it away. That's all for this episode of IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at it4whiskey.com. Yo. Oh, please don't take your shirt off, Joe. Oh, we're still recording. Son of Kevin, did you get that? Yes, you did. Ha, 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 ha.